the Lord Jesus has this very tremendous encounter with a Canaanite woman. A Canaanite woman. Again, still on the glorious stairs of heaven. The glorious stairs, the prophecy of the glorious stairs, the prophecy of the coming of the Messiah. In the book of Matthew chapter 15, it's very powerful when our Lord Jesus Christ encounters a Canaanite woman Matthew chapter 15, we are still looking at why. Why has he lowered the stairs? What is the message he's communicating to a generation so beloved? Matthew 15, verse 21 on, this is what he says, beloved people. Matthew 15, 21 on, he says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Verse 22 says, A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away. She keeps crying out after us. Verse 25, verse 24, he answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Verse 25, the woman came and knelt before him, before, and Lord, help me, she worshipped him, you can see. Verse 26, he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dog. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Verse 28, then Jesus then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very first hour. So this formed the very powerful conversation within the message of the glorious death, the prophecy and the part fulfillment of the glorious chairs of eternity that Jehovah our Father has lowered before this generation. Why does it do that? Because in the pursuit of the message as to why the Lord has lowered the stairs and what is instructing this generation of the church, then it's amazing because in this thesis I've read of the Canaanite woman, if you read earlier, the same Matthew 15, you start verse 6, over at one, you see a contestation, you see a conflict, you see a fight, a fight that takes place between the Hebrew people and Christ the Messiah. You see at this place, the Messiah says, I was only sent, only, only sent to the Lordship of Israel. And you see that when Isaiah the prophet was actually pronouncing and commanding the ministry of the Messiah in the book of Isaiah chapter 9, you can read verse 7 on. When Isaiah the prophet was commanding into being the ministry of the Messiah before the Messiah came, Isaiah locates the locality from which the Messiah would minister, and it says, Look, I of the Gentiles. I can even read it here. The book of Isaiah chapter 9, beloved people. We can begin six also, no problem. Isaiah chapter 9. Look at what it says, beloved people. It says, 
I begin from, uh, this is Isaiah chapter 9, we can start even earlier, from verse 1. We can start even verse 1. And it says, Nevertheless, because it says, unto us a child is born. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of the balloon and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor the Galil of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. And this is very powerful because it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, shadow of death, a light has done. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at harvest and as men rejoice when dividing plunder. So there is describing the victory of the court that he bring. So he's saying, so as in the days of the Median defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdened them. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressors, verse 5, Isaiah 9. He says, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, of the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever and ever. And the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this wonderful thing. How powerful. So you see, Isaiah was giving a command. Isaiah was instructed by the Lord and sent in good time to go and command God through which the Messiah would appear, that the Messiah would follow when he appears, and where he would locate his ministry from. And you can see, in this paradigm and his design, the Messiah says, I was only sent to the lost ship of Israel. And you see, indeed, Isaiah locates him in the Galilee, there, the Galilee of the Gentiles, Galilee, Canaan, in Egypt. He locates his ministry in Israel. So you can easily see you don't need to be a genius to see this now, that the Lord intended that the gospel to the Jews first, and then to the Gentiles, and that out of Israel, this revival of the gospel, the salvation, wonderful light, would come out of Israel and steal all over the earth, get to the hands of the earth. But there was a problem already. There was a problem in the book of Matthew chapter 1, maybe chapter 15 verse 1, a problem started occurring. Matthew chapter 15, from verse 1 or verse 6, whichever way you want it, you have time. A problem started occurring in this mission he was sent to do among the Hebrew people. Because in verse 1 you hear, Matthew 15, it says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law either from Jerusalem, and asked him, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. 
Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? And then he moves on, we can jump even to verse 6. Verse 6 he says here, beloved people, for he is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Look at the conflict there. He now shoots up on them. He now attacks them. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are but rules, mere rules taught by men. So you see that Jesus was already running into some headwinds. He was running into some significant resistance. When he was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. But he was already running into some problems with them because he came to them and he wanted them to recognize the messenger first. For you to receive the message, you have to recognize the messenger first. That really helps you to understand even the magnitude of the message. And so they are having difficulty in receiving and recognizing the messenger, and they could not even call him Lord. And he wanted them to understand that Yeshua HaMashiach, that the Jewish Messiah has actually come. So they should stop asking the Father to send the Jewish Messiah, because he's already here. So all you need is to receive them, and receive the message of the Father that he has has carried. But they were running into trouble, and he was trying to convince them that, look, this is here about whom Scripture says that the greatest son of David, that you see in the book of Psalm 110, verse 1, David is talking about him many, many hundreds of years before he comes, that he would come and reign on the throne of David, eternal. But I'm having difficulty recognizing this. So in as much as he said, I was only sent, to the lordship of Israel, then running into resistance, running into headwinds, running into problems with them recognizing him. And then you get a group of Pharisees, a delegation came from Jerusalem, Pharisees and Sadducees, a special group of professors of the word, professors of the law, these critics and commentators of the word, of the law, the Jewish law, they chose a special brand they had to brand a cohort, a cohort group. And they sent to him because they heard of the wonderful work and the narratives. They heard about the utterances he was making that place up in the womb in the area of the Galil of the Gentiles over there. So can you imagine the entire distance? All the children coming with greater living, living, breathing fire. Waiting for him. Their purpose was to go and stand before him and nullify everything he's saying. And cancel everything he's saying. And cancel it and nullify it. Because they were hearing, they heard everything he was doing and saying. And then it's amazing, beloved people, that out of that contestation with them, Jesus said, Enough is enough. And he changed course. So you can imagine leaving the area of the Galil around Capernaum and going all the way to Paris on probably two days or one and a half days of walking. You can imagine how far he went. And you know, if you look at the scripture, the book of Matthew chapter 15, the way they put it, the way they put it, you see a sense of distance, a sense of tired. Matthew 15, I'm reading it again. I want to read other versions about it. 
verse 1. Verse 21, I'm reading many versions. NIV says, leaving that place, he calls it that place. And when you go now to, uh, to the new America, okay, NIV says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew. So if there's any message, word you're picking from there, leaving that place and withdrawing. He made a mission only sent to the Hebrew people. I was sent only to the Jewish people, only the Lordship of Israel. But now you hear him say, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew. That's NIV. When you go to the American standard, he says, Jesus went away from there. They don't even call it name anymore. Went away from there. Just walked away from there. Went away from there and withdrew. So they use again withdraw. When you go to Amplified, verse 21, it says, And going away from there, going away from there, they even call it there, they don't name it by name. Jesus withdrew, so he said, you withdrew again. You go to King James, he says, Then Jesus went thence and departed. Departed away. So, I was sent, I was only sent to the Lordship of Israel. But now, because of the resistance, the problems he was having there, he moved away, all the long distance away, moving away from tired of that place, tired of arguments, tired of contestation, tired of black men. He moves very far and he goes to the cities of Tyre and Sidon. But we know two of them, these are cities that were very atheist, they are gentle cities. These people used sacrifice, babies, they used to get involved in sexual orgies in their cultural, traditional world which was very defiling and sickening to see in their nudities of mass orgies and water sacrifice, worshipping some kind of occult and satanism and name it. And that is why you see Jesus referring to them as the dog. Because then the Hebrew people on Mount Sinai received the redemptive plan of God. They were the only people that received the redemptive salvation plan of God while the others were still involved in that kind of occult, in the morality of origins and baby sacrifice. So the behavior was really actually lower than even dogs, because we've not seen dogs roast their young ones for sacrifice. So the, the, the reference, I want you to understand the reference as to taking the bread from the table and giving the dog. But however, it's amazing that when Jesus, the king of Israel, he comes within his dominion and his subjects are there, and he's having trouble engaging with them, getting them to recognize him. But when he crosses the borders out of his dominion, out of Israel, and walks quite far away into Tyre and Sidon, into atheist, pagan, and Gentile cities, people that were referred to should be even less than dogs. Then a woman sees him and runs to him, and the first thing she does is say, Lord! She calls him Lord. Lord. And then she appears to be well informed that this is the Messiah. So she takes him and puts him on David's throne. She says, turn of David. And then she appears to even more enlightened on his mission on the earth that he has come to bring the forgiveness of sin, the mercy of God. Please have mercy on me. She asks for the right thing he's carrying plenty. The embodiment of which he is the mercy of God over mankind. So this was a very shocking detour, a shocking turn of events that really explains why the stairs are in Lord right now. Into the skies. 
because how awesome, how tremendous and also very saddening that the Lord is having trouble. I was only sent to the Lordship of Israel, but he's having trouble that he's subject to recognize his church before they receive the message. Even to get to call him Lord. And this woman, a Gentile woman, an atheist, the pagan woman in that territory where babies were being sacrificed. And by the way, just a little bit for you that I have found you. This was the very nation. These are the nations that used to attack Israel from the north and conquer Israel. Which are, you know, this is amazing. These were enemies of Israel. But now, running into this Gentile territory, and a woman runs in, and she's able, first of all, to identify him right. She says, This is the Lord. And she calls him Lord. And the next thing she says, Son of David, meaning she's aware this is the Messiah. Israel is having difficulty even seeing this, to see that this is the Messiah. But this gentle woman sees, if you read other version, when she heard that he was in the area, she ran. So even the news of his arrival came. What a powerful reception of the gospel. Son of David, have mercy on me. She's asking for mercy, and Jesus was trying to get Israel to understand that he has got the mercy of God. That they may ask for mercy. Look, the lost sheep of Israel, the fallen sheep of Jacob, owing to the fall of Adam and Eve, he had come that he may bring forgiveness of sin to them, the mercy of God to men, beginning with the Jew. But they were not able to see it. But this woman now sees Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. I know you have brought the forgiveness of sin. Please forgive mine right now. I'm ready. Before she gives us application. And so this is the powerful, interesting part that causes the Lord to lower the glorious chairs into the sky. Because at this point on, many say, you are faith. You are faith. We refer to our faith. We must take the benchmark of eternity, the benchmark of this revival. This is departing from there. This is really the Gentile revival. This is when now the focus turns to the Gentile nation. That's why now there is a Gentile revival. And then the redemption of Israel, the revival of Israel was deferred. Was now deferred. And you see... And you see very clearly, beloved people, that now faith is being exalted, the faith of this woman. But do you remember the faith of the centurion? The faith of the centurion too. So now, Jesus runs into Gentiles and gets this marveling faith. This surprising faith. He was marveled by their faith. The creator, the author and finisher of all our faith was marveled at their faith. And that's why now this mission changed to this. What is the point I'm trying to underscore here? I'm saying the book of Second Thessalonians. I'm saying that in the book of Second Thessalonians, beloved people, chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two, having laid that foundation unto you from that four, this is what it's been. He says, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, He will oppose and he will exalt himself over everything that is called God, or is worshipped. 
and so that he may set himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you all about these things? Verse 6. And now you know what is holding him back. So that he may not be, so that he may reveal, he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness already at work, but the one who is now holding him back, the one who now holds him back, will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the Antichrist will be revealed. So, how many discuss with you, I've been opened up for you, how the, the mission now changed? and went towards the Gentile nation, and then the, 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 the prediction of the Gentile revival is given when the left centurion, that is Matthew 8, 10, 11, and also now here, the book of uh, Matthew 15, verse 21, where now he changed focus and he departed, departed, he left that place. He withdrew now from that mission. Now it was so powerful because you see now, that was the trading of focus and the prediction of the Gentile revival. John came preaching, prepared the way. The Jewish Messiah is coming. And was announcing this around the Jordan River and the Judean Desert in Israel. Jesus came and he said, I am only sent to the lost sheep of Israel, only. But when you see the product that came out, it was the Gentile church. Look at the Gentile revival, the Gentile church globally. Because... The mission for Israel has been deferred in the prophetic timeline of God. Has been deferred to the tribulation and the great tribulation. And so that's why it's going to be quite critical, beloved people, that we understand the glorious stairs Lord in heaven in this context. Because he's saying that the one that holds the Antichrist from being revealed, who is the Holy Spirit holding him back, Holy Spirit alone has enough power to hold it back since the beginning of the inception of the church until today, thousands of years, effectively, efficiently, and powerfully so. Excellently. Holding him back, that he may not be revealed. We do not see us breaking you. He has been revealed in the mouth. He has been revealed in witness. No. Holding him back. And he's saying that when he that holds him back is removed, is taken away, then... Everything helpless loose. Remember three R: the rapture. Remember the the, the, the the rapture, the retribution, and the revelation of God. Remember the rapture. At rapture, that's when the holy church, that is the habitation of the Holy Spirit, will be taken. That is the context under which God has released the glorious church to beam to you, to awaken you that look. The Gentile dispensation is about to end. He said, please do enter now, because the Gentiles, when he turned and he departed from that place, and he focused this way, the Gentile revival shot up. That dispensation of the Gentile church is about to end. And when it ends, then the Holy Spirit himself has been taken away with his holy habitation, the holy church. And then the person of Antichrist now can be revealed. And if you understand very well, anything else from that point on, can flip at one. Can move from tribulation to great tribulation, where anybody that attempts to worship Jesus must be beheaded. The Bible says must be. In fact, if you look at the narrative that thinks they exist, in Revelation 13, it says, behold, he has given power 
conquer them. And he says, everybody and the whole earth must and will worship him. Whole, he didn't say 99.999%. The whole earth will worship him. So the Lord is saying that this is the hour at which he has lowered the glorious stairs to, 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 to beam, to seek Lord to the greater church, the greater revival that look, your time for entry is now. After that, I am busy with the redemption of Israel. Because he says the woman, if you look at Revelation chapter 12, very powerfully so put, if you look at the book of Revelation chapter 12, talking about Israel, this is what he says. A great and wondrous sign appeared in the sky. A great and wondrous sign, he says. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon, with the moon under her feet, and a crown with twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. His tail swept aside of the stars out of the sky and flung them onto the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. Verse 5. She gave birth to a son, a male child. He will rule all the nations with an iron scepter, and, he, and, and her child was snatched up to God to his throne. That is the Messiah. And that woman is Israel. The woman fled to the desert, a place prepared for her by God, that she might be taken care of for 1,260 days, exactly the great tribulation. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. It says he will fight back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven, meaning there is no apostles in heaven. There is no room for apostles in heaven. Immediately apostles appeared like this, he was flashed out like lightning. I don't know why the church is doing apostasy today, as though there is some kind of tolerance for apostasy in heaven. Even as I'm reading through for the particular emphasis I want to do, a tremendous message is being dispensed over there. The great dragon was hurled down, and the, that ancient serpent, serpent called uh, the devil or Satan, who leads the, the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice from heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren, of the brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been held down. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their life so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heaven, and you that dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with a fury, with fury, because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had, when the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given two wings 
of a great eagle so that she might fly to a place prepared for her in the desert where she would be taken care of for time, times and half time. That's the great tribulation out of the serpent place. Then from the mouth of the serpent, he spewed water like a river so that he would overtake the woman and sweep her away in the torrent. But the earth opened the, the earth, but the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river as the dragon, uh, the, the, the river that the dragon has spewed out of his mouth. Verse 17 is for you, beloved people. He says, then the dragon was enraged. The dragon was so enraged at the woman and went to make war against the rest of our offspring, those who obey God and hold on to the testimony of Jesus. What is the Lord saying here? He's saying that the stairs have been lowered. Why? Because the Gentile dispensation, the dispensation of the Gentile revival is coming to an end, so they need to enter. He's saying this is the way, only through this way, please enter now. After this, the dragon is unleashed, the beast is all over here, nobody can worship Jesus anymore, and God is busy redeeming Israel and defending Israel. But verse 17 of chapter 12 of Revelation really gives the proper picture that for anybody that will still hang around here called Christian, trying to worship Jesus, hold up his testimony, must be put to slaughter because the dragon has been given that power to fight them and conquer them. And that's why the Lord has lost the stairs to the Gentile church. And he's saying, blessed people, that this is the way. Please enter. Because after this, I am very busy. Very busy defending the firstborn. My firstborn, Israel. After this, the Gentile dispensation, revival is over. Please enter now. This is the way. Please enter. This is the way. Please take it. May the Lord bless you. Toda shalom. Shalom toda. Toda. Toda Allah.